when you're an entrepreneur, nobody gives you a stinking map and you have no idea what road goes where. It's hard to just completely say out loud, nope, I'm done. But my gut kept telling me that was what it was. <laughs> our customers, our community, they're the best. And I, I miss them. They do cool things and they put out good stuff. We've you know, so appreciated having you in our loaf of bread. I'm sure you and Jamie will miss a plane in the future. Hello, and welcome to Shiny Objects. I'm Elise Mason, here with Jamie King. Today, we have the great pleasure of talking to Amy Cochran, founder of Momentum, who recently sold her company. This is our latest episode in a series featuring women entrepreneurs. If you missed them, please go check out our conversations with Christy Goldsby of Honey Mamas, Heidi Powell, Francina Call from Be Still Tea, and next week, we'll talk to Nicole DeBoom of Skirt Sports. Thanks for being here and stay with us. Hello, hello. Hi, Elise. Hi, Jamie. I'm so excited because today it's not just you and me. We have a special guest, a friend and fellow entrepreneur who we have worked with over the years, Amy. And we are so excited to have Amy on today. Amy, do you want to tell everybody who you are? Yeah. Hello, Jamie and Elise. I'm Amy. <laughs> and I founded a Momentum. A lot of people know it as Momentum Jewelry. Gosh, back in 2012, I think. So I was stalking you guys on the internet because <laughs> when I started, I really didn't really know too much uh, about what was happening online out there beside my more immediate world. And I remember seeing your sweat pink uh, website and going, oh, those ladies are so cool. And I want to be just like them. You guys were always my aspirational, you know, were out there and presented and the messaging and everything in a way that I really wanted to be a part of that. So I knew about you guys probably before you knew about me. <laughs> and both of you are so welcoming, uh, supportive, encouraging, and just like, I, here's just Amy with an idea. And I was just looking down every road, opening up every door I could to try to figure out how to take my idea from, oh yeah, I make jewelry. I sell it on Etsy to like where people walk into a running store or people, the first thing they think of when they think of athletic jewelry is, oh, momentum. Oh yeah. I've seen those, the motivate wrap. I know that. So that was my big challenge in not having a business or marketing uh, background. I mean, we yeah. had a, then a really nice little informal partnership on that. We, you guys often gave me great advice and, and your community of course is wonderful. So there was a great yeah. match there. Yeah, we agree. We I remember meeting you at Idea World and being really inspired by what you were creating and and also knowing that our community would be so into it. I mean, were not shocking. And you just said something that made me laugh out loud. You were like, I had no like experience in running a business and I was just trying things and I was like, yeah, we totally relate to that. And that's probably why we found each other and I think sometimes those, those kinds of situations push you together and I don't know, maybe more often than not a lot of entrepreneurs go into it with a lot of blind spot, <laughs> or at least we do. For unimportant, important news, 
I just have to humble brag about our garden. Nice. We have bowls full of blueberries and raspberries. They are beautiful and delicious. And I just feel like we have this urban oasis garden right now. And I'm bragging, but really I do no work, but eating. My husband does all of it. And yeah, we just got home from my big hundred mile race. And yeah, we had a huge bowl of blueberries to eat. So that's my unimportant, important news today. I just am feeling all the summer fruits. (laughs) Elise, how about you? Lovely. Oh my gosh. What a bounty. That's amazing. What a treat to come home to. I know, right? Jamie, I've already told you this story, but I'm going to share it with everyone else. I was traveling home from your 100 mile race with my five-year-old and we had this long layover in the Denver airport. And so we went to get some dinner and within a couple minutes of sitting down, my five-year-old knocked her full cup of milk over onto this pair of older women who were sitting and having a drink together, like just obliterated them with milk. And I was so horrified and I felt so bad. And they were so kind and so funny about it. They're like, it's no big deal. We're grandmas. We get it. No problem. And then after we wrap up this little conversation about the milk, they turn to each other and one of them goes, should we have another drink? And the other one says, we're going to get shit faced. We might miss our flight. And then they look at each other again and they're like, let's do it. (laughs) And they raise their hands for another round. And they were just so cute and so adorable. And it gave me all of these happy flashbacks to Jamie you and I used to miss flights all the time together because we were doing similar shenanigans and I felt like I was seeing my future (laughs) like when I'm not traveling with children anymore and it made me so happy and it was this perfect thing of like having a small encounter with strangers which we haven't had enough of in the last year and having it be such a funny and positive interaction and it just made me so happy all of it made me so happy that's so it's such a beautiful story because faith in humanity like people being kind and understanding because sometimes people aren't especially at airports or on airplanes kind and or understanding when you have little ones but also when you sent me that story I was like oh my god you were looking into a crystal ball because that could have been us (laughs) yeah and kind of when you're in the thick of it with young children you forget okay 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 I will life will change the situation changes and I'm sure you and uh, Jamie will miss a plane in the future sometimes <laughs> on the road, right? Uh, true story. As an aside, we once literally missed two flights, two flights. We like missed a flight and then missed the next flight we were supposed to get on. <laughs> oh my goodness. True story. It, it ha- that has happened. And I still to this day can't believe it. It happened. Like I say it out loud to people and they look at me and they're like, wait, you didn't really. And I'm like, no, we actually really did. We actually missed two flights. We did, and I don't regret it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Amy, how about you? What's happening unimportant, importantly in your life? I recently had a milestone birthday, and I bought myself a beautiful new mountain bike. That's quite a step up from my current mountain bike to go with like our little 
tiny house that we're dreaming of building in, <laughs> in the middle of Northern Wisconsin. And uh, so, yeah, I've been doing a ton more mountain biking this season. I've named her Fern because she's a beautiful green color <laughs> and it's really, it, it's got way better like shocks and stuff. So I'm, I go over things that before I wouldn't have, I'm still quite a chicken. I'm not bombing anything, but it's given me a little bit more confidence and it's way more fun to ride. And yeah, so that's been my little treat to myself in this sort of new phase of life of mine where I'm getting to remove myself from behind the computer technology and, and actually move my body and get outside again. That's my fun thing. That sounds awesome. And I love the name of your bike. That's a perfect name and a perfect color um, for having a new, a new toy and something fun to, to get out and move with. Yeah. Why jewelry? What sparked the idea? I would love to hear that story. Yeah. It's like in um, retrospect, I can see, oh yeah, I had the foundation for this for a long time. I always was bothering my parents because we had this huge garden growing up and I wanted to have a little stand at the end of the driveway and sell my vegetables. And I was always <laughs> trying to sell things, I guess. I don't, I don't know. And so that was something that I you know, enjoyed, but of course in school did not pursue that avenue. I have a master's in public health and I was really focused more on the research, but I always had something creative I was working on at home. So like big mosaic glass, you know, mirrors and artwork and let's see, Ukrainian Easter eggs. I would decorate those. And I had a jewelry company where I actually did local art fairs and stuff like that since the late nineties, like a really long time. So I had been always would have to make something that was creative. I always had to be doing something artistic to balance out that other side of my life. So jewelry was always a big part. And then the other sort of leg of the stool was um, I, I loved to be active. I grew up in a um, really active family. We were into silent sports. So Nordic skiing, long distance road cycling and canoeing and hiking and just getting out. And we always did that as a family and also with some clubs and things like that. And so that, that was really my upbringing and it was a big part of my life. And as um, I got older, I got into running and then the gym and movement and exercise just made me so much happier. And it made me so much more confident. And it's like, you're in that spin class. And that's where like my brain, that's always clouded with so much stuff. It just clears away and I can like, you get these great ideas. And so it was like this blending of wanting to be part of that fitness community and contribute to that, but not being a type of person that could stand up on a stage and teach a class. And then I was like, oh, but I can make jewelry. I'm good at that. And it was literally just this light bulb where I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I can get those encouraging sayings that your instructors say just at the right time and it's on your wrist. And so you look down and then it's, it's gotta be comfortable. So it just, it, that's where it started. And that was back in 2012. And it was before Instagram was probably just in its infancy. I feel like a lot of the technological pieces that made my ability to rise above just doing like local art fairs were just coming on the scene. And so it was just a, a fun little race to see, could I put things together? Could I get out there? Could I make myself known way beyond 
the Minneapolis St. Paul area, just selling online, doing events, you know, social media, and strangely enough, I, it it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I loved what you had said, Amy, about being in that spot where Instagram was in its infancy. It was this like going from getting noticed at your sort of local art fairs and getting beyond Minneapolis and figuring things out as you went. And what sort of, as you're thinking about it, and you obviously built an incredibly passionate community with momentum. And as you look back on it, do you think that was the right move building a community? Was that, do you think that that contributed to your success with momentum? Oh, that's very interesting because yeah, when you think about products, there's the product that everybody buys and knows about, but maybe it doesn't have as much of an emotional attachment to. I feel like for me, finding the community that had the same sort of values and understood that it wasn't just about jewelry, it was about trying to encourage and inspire and support and to strive for your best. It was about these intangible sort of things. I think that was really important. Otherwise, I feel like it would have just been another jewelry item. You can go on Etsy and you can get a necklace with a 10 pound like dumbbell charm on it. And it's <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's okay. I like to lift weights. I wear this, but it, it doesn't necessarily have a more powerful oh, I'm connected to something and, and a larger feeling that goes with it. And so I think, I don't know in terms of like ultimate, maybe it's bottom line success. Maybe you could sell more if you're selling them at all the target stores or whatever, and you could make more money. But for me, it was really not about the money. It was about creating something of value and something that I believed in and something that I wanted to help others with. And so this was, it was maybe two different paths. Can you do both? Possibly. I'm sure there's examples, but so I think that in terms of when I like looked at my success, usually it wasn't ever looking at the dollar, the, the dollar in profits every year. It was these other intangibles, the success of our share the spark and the beautiful campaign and, and just the, the, it was the stuff that was bigger than just the physical item. Totally. Yeah. We, it's funny because we were on such a similar, I think, wavelength in terms of how we built our businesses. And you can, I think people knew that you weren't just like an Etsy, I use an Etsy shop, an Etsy shop um, selling dumbbell necklaces, but you were a community where you had people sharing these inspirational messages and they felt really connected to you and connected to momentum. And it was more than just a bracelet or a wrap. It was this sort of bigger community piece. And if they saw somebody else wearing them, they, they would feel more instantly connected. And I think that's really powerful and obviously great marketing <laughs> at the same time. Yes, very true. And that's what makes you not just a commodity, right? That's an intangible that's really hard to create. Lots of other companies are trying to get an emotional tie and create something. And But I felt like mine came from a place of that's what was important to me. And so that was, you know, what I always had in mind when I was building and growing and trying to figure out which direction to go. But then it also gets you to a place where then it's hard to when you're looking when it's time to pass on and then just be like, okay, I'm, I'm passing the baton. I'm done with my sprint. It's not just 
It's not just anybody. Nike's not going to come along and say, oh, buy this. It's finding the right new home for it. It, I think it made it a little bit, I don't, it's tricky because I wanted that not to be lost. Yeah, that, that would be really hard. It's hard to hand over the keys to your kingdom as it is, but then it's even harder when it's the people that are there too. And you want to make sure that they're still in this like hands that are as capable and as caring as your own, or at least that's what I would imagine. How did you know when it was time to move on? Yeah, it's one of those things where as an entrepreneur, like there are Tuesday, you could be like, that's it, I'm done. And Wednesday, you're like, yes, I love this. And it can be a really quickly moving from I could do this for the rest of my life to I have to be done yesterday. But I just increasingly felt like I really need to have a change for my own personal health and for my life. The behind the scenes, I had a great team who helped make the items, ship out the items, customer care, but we weren't big enough to have leadership sort of roles at all the other levels. So I, for me, it was great variety and I, I was never bored. <laughs> so you're done working on financials. Oh, you can work on the wholesale. You're done with that. You can work on the events or you can work on the social or you can work on the new. You just, there's no end of stuff you can work on. But I just got to a point where I had poured so much of my time um, and effort and into it where I was just like, I just knew that it was taking more of a toll on my mental and physical health than it should. And I didn't really see a way to either cut back or to bring on a partner. Or I, I just didn't see a way that would work for me because I mm -hmm. unfortunately tend to throw myself into things 200%. So I just knew that it was time that I needed to be done. But then, yeah, it was this big question of like, how, who, what? You can't just hang up for sale sign out. It was really sort of a behind this, like who would be the right fit? Because it, again, it goes back to that somebody who you know, understands that community aspect, who understands that it's about so much more than just the, the jewelry. So that was a challenge. And it, it took me years of writing awkward emails to people saying, Hey, I don't know if you're interested. <laughs> and in the meantime, just trying to continue to do the best I could with what we were doing at Momentum and the brand and the products. So it was definitely, yeah, it was working on a couple things um, at once. That's so interesting. So once you've made that decision or I don't know if you waffled back and forth a little bit. On oh, it, I did. You... Oh, I, I totally waffled. And I would say, oh, but, oh, I'll hang on and I'll, and of course I didn't have anybody who was interested in taking over. And, but it was, was it this summer of 2020? And I just, it was increasingly, I just knew, I was like, I have to be done. I have to be done. And um, Nicole DeBoom, who's wonderful and wise and had been doing her business for 16 years almost, she said, Amy, <laughs> you know, if your gut is telling you, you have to be done, you, you need to make a plan. You've built this thing. You can't just turn off the lights someday. You, you need to make a plan. She said, pick a date. <laughs> and so once I really was able to get to a place where I was like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. I will trust in the wisdom of Nicole. And it was true. I, that was what 
ended up happening when I decided and I was like, okay, there's no going back. And then I would just knew that I would either have to close down so gradually by a certain date. And in that meantime, just accelerate my, my search for who might be able to take over. And maybe those two things will come together at the same endpoint. And amazingly, they did. So that was w- wonderful. But when you're there, you don't know. And it's just, I don't know about you guys, but like when I go on a trip, my first thing is I like, I want the map. Okay, we're in Paris. Give me the map. Okay. And I'm like, there's Eiffel Tower. Okay, here's, I like to get a lay of the land so that when I'm walking streets, I, I have an idea of where I am. When you're an entrepreneur, nobody gives you a stinking map and you have no idea what road goes where. And that's always just the hardest part. It's like a leap of faith. And sometimes it's just really hard to exist in that unknowing. You have no clue and you're just blindly like going, I guess I'll go this way because I have no idea. That's very true. You definitely don't get a map. And I'm actually a very different traveler. I like to, I like to go into things blindly. And my husband he, he does like to have a plan. And so I have to meet in the middle, but it's funny. Um, even that sort of sense in me where I can do so many things with extreme ambiguity. There are times where I just wish someone would tell me, go this direction mm-hmm. or do this thing. Like Elise and I joke sometimes how fun it would be just to have a boss who would just be like, you need to do this today. This is what you need to focus on. And rather than us just looking at each other and being like, yep, I think. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. And I feel like that's a lot of what entrepreneurship is. You're just trying and erring and trying again. <laughs> and it's it can be really exhausting. So I can totally understand where you were coming from. I'm so interested. You, you mentioned how you were writing these awkward emails. How did you, did I, send you guys, I think I sent you guys one, uh, like a heads up to, hey, do you know of anybody? Oh, I think you did. I, I didn't think it was awkward at all. So I didn't even realize that was one of those awkward emails. That was yeah, I even looked back and I was like, oh my gosh, I sent that to her four years ago. <laughs> Oops. So many of the people that I met maybe at um, some of the trade shows or uh, events and things like that super talented. I'm like, Oh, that person would be great. But they already have a passion project that they're working on. And so that's a hard thing is to find somebody who's ready to take that jump and be an entrepreneur um, who doesn't already have this idea of what they want to do. And yeah, I just, so for me, it's awkward because what it is when I reach out to somebody is momentum was my heart. And so you're just putting it out there and it's, Oh my gosh, a lot of it. Yeah. You're just putting yourself out there and it's so you feel vulnerable and it's also very unsure. Will this work? And, and for me who really likes certainty <laughs> that, you know, that it was tough. Yeah. I can only imagine there's just so many pieces of it. It's so emotional. It's not just transactional, right? It's not just, you're just trying to sell something. It's emotional. It's something you've created. It's, it becomes a part of you in such a big way that I can only imagine how challenging that is and how important it is to find the right person um, to take over. When you did find, how long, do you you mind sharing, how long did it take you to find somebody? And let me just add on something to what you were just saying. I feel like it's like with kids, everybody says, oh, once your child's born, you'll love them. And you just don't know what it feels like to be a parent until you have that child. And I remember it's like the same thing with this whole entrepreneur thing. Like I created this company and I just just poured everything into it. 
And I remember at the end, my poor husband, he had to live with me through when I was going through all this. And I remember telling him, they didn't tell me it would be like this. Like I would have never started a company if I had known <laughs> it'd be so hard to figure out how to give it a correct ending. I'm like, everybody talks about the beginning, how to start your company. And nobody talks about the ending. And maybe it's because so many companies start and then they just fizzle out. I, I don't know why, but it was also maybe that it was such a heart-centered company for me. It was just so much harder. I'm not sure. But yeah, how long did it take? Let's see, I started talking with Sarah. So Sarah Ratzleff, who is amazing and loves this world that Momentum was part of and understands it and already has a couple companies that she was in that area. So since she, it, that was amazing because she's was looking to grow and, and my company fit perfectly in her, what she already was doing. I just was like, wow, does she really want to take something else on when I first started talking with her? But yeah, she's got like amazing ideas and big dreams. And so that's exciting to find somebody who's on that upward going after it part of the of the journey. And let's see, I started talking with her. It's a long October, November, December, January. So it took about a half a year, I think, of talking before we, okay, this is going to work. And we got to, like, how the transfer, because she's in Florida, I'm in Minnesota, figuring out all those sort of details. And of course, you're trying to do all the things that you do um, for your business simultaneously, which usually take up all my time. So it was quite a crunch um, period and an emotional sort of period, but it's really awesome that it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. It sounds that it was a hard decision, but the right decision. As you look back now that you are out of it and you've had a little time, if you look back on all of the time you spent at Momentum, what's something like maybe one thing that you would have done differently? Or yeah, or if you could go back in time and just have a do-over, is there a certain thing that stands out that you would do? Yeah, that's hard. And I was thinking about that and I was asking my husband, I'm like, and he's first answer, he's like the wholesale. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd say the wholesale. I wouldn't do that program because I spent a ton of time, a ton of money developing a wholesale program. I mean, that when you're going to trade shows and you've got retail displays and you've got sales reps and you're, you know, it's just very time intensive and money <laughs> intensive and it's just intensive. But I feel like I learned a lot about business and branding and I got my, the momentum sort of look and product and everything closer to what I had originally had in my head. And so I think it helped me grow up a lot in a lot of ways, but yes, that was definitely a, a hard one. And when I decided I had to cut back because it was just driving me into the ground, <laughs> that was in early 2019. And then it you know, turns out with the whole pandemic, that was actually a, probably a good thing that I had already stepped away from that mostly before before that, the whole, you know, pa pandemic put the brakes on everyone going into stores. But so I think I learned a lot. So that's some of the things that you do things and it's, you would maybe chalk it up as a mistake, but then you look back and you're like, would I really have learned X, Y, and Z or done this and that? I think maybe at the very beginning, although I wouldn't have known who to turn to, I would have um, spent a little bit more time and money getting external help with like my logo 
and yeah, brand guidelines sort of thing. Mm -hmm. They really didn't have any idea about how to do any of that stuff. And so I rebranded Momentum four times over. So that was like, what, once every year and a half, something like that. So a lot. We understand. You ladies understand. And you know that when you rebrand, especially when I had the retail displays and everything, everything has to get changed. All your your packaging, all the visuals on your social and website. and But it's a lot more than... Oh, oh, I like this look better. I'll change it. <laughs> and you know that, yes. So it, that is quite a process. So I did that four times, which is maybe a little bit too much. And so I think if I had possibly had a little bit more training or a little bit more information at the beginning, I could have maybe at least avoided one of those rebrands. <laughs> I totally understand that. I feel like those kinds of things are so hard to know though, because sometimes you're looking at it and it's what is the most efficient path um, to getting started. And sometimes if you're, if that's not your skill, the most efficient path is just put what you got out there. And then you sometimes look back and go, gosh, I wish I'd spent more money or some more time or invested in that. And it's hard to know. Yeah. It's always hard to know. I guess that's entrepreneurship really. <laughs> I guess what is building off of things you might've gone back and done differently? What was the most challenging thing you faced um, as an entrepreneur and do you have any advice for future entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs that they could take away from your own experience? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, that is hard. I think it's a combination of being an entrepreneur and also my personality. Like I just would work way too much. And I think that was, you know, part of the reason why I was like, I just had to be done. But I don't like, I just don't be, I know if I could have done it any other way. And then I also know that when you're launching something, when you're starting something, I mean, you have to give it like all the gas for takeoff to get to cruising level, or you're, you're just gonna, the plane's gonna crash. I don't know if I have any wise words because I wouldn't tell people to pace yourself because sometimes you just can't. So I think maybe it's to listen to your gut because I feel like hmm. so much of what you did was to listen to your gut. And you talk about that without even saying it, but you were like, the wholesale business was dragging me into the ground and you were that you listened to your gut and it worked out. It ended up being the right decision with COVID. And then you listened to your gut about throwing in the towel and knowing it was time to not throwing in the towel, the pass the baton, really the a different thing. But yeah, I think that maybe that's a really important thing that I keep hearing throughout the words you're saying. And it feels like such great advice and advice I often neglect to take, even when every single time I don't follow my gut instinct, I feel like there's this moment where I go, oh my God, why didn't I listen to myself? I knew the answer. You are so right. So I will take that and, and use that as my own words because you're absolutely <laughs> right. And I think about so many decision points or times where my gut was saying, do this, don't do that. And I did it anyway, either because somebody's telling you to, or you're getting advice or you're other people or whatever reason you're not listening, your gut's trying to tell you. And sometimes you're just so busy, you can't tune in. But yes, that is very true because it's your idea. It's your thing and it's the way and should trust yourself. But that's, it's hard to do sometimes more time than others, but yeah. It's incredibly hard because you spend so much time as an entrepreneur second guessing yourself and also imposter syndrome and playing all these things. You said it when we started talking about how you didn't have any background in this and neither technically do Elise and I. And so we spend a lot of time in that space where who are you to think X, Y, Z? And 
you spend so much time doing that, like second guessing your decisions and second guessing the directions you're headed and having no map or as you said, like that perfect travel analogy. It's yeah, it's really, it is really hard. It's really hard to, to always trust your gut because you're like, who am I to know this answer? Right. <laughs> and you have no one to tell you, there's no one coming down from the sky like, hey, this is the path. And God, some days I wish there was. I wish someone would be like, here's your lightning bolt. <laughs> it's true that trust your gut and carries over to so many other aspects of your life too. So I think that's just, it's a hard thing for us to learn across many areas. This has been like so excellent, but now I love hearing about your journey from start to passing the baton to momentum's new future, um, which sounds like it's in really good hands. And I'm so you know proud and in awe of all that you accomplished. And also in just, yeah, it's so amazing to hear your journey with this. And so now that you've transitioned into a new phase, <laughs> what's bringing you the most happiness making you feel the most fulfilled right now? Oh, I think just being able to, like, it's a beautiful day. I'm like, ha, ah, I'm going outside. <laughs> and, you know, my husband will joke is Sunday night. He's like, don't you have to get all the social media posts ready? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I really needed to step away from the constant being connected and in front of the screen and sitting for 12 hours a day. I would say that, knowing that I could pass it off to capable hands and that it was time, that it was really time. It's been fine. It's not been um, something where I'm just like, oh, I think fondly back on, if I see on my phone, like an image, I'm like, oh yeah, but it's, it was time to move on. So then, oh yeah, that was the right thing to do. No doubts, no second guesses. So I can just move forward and enjoy the summertime here in Minnesota. <laughs> enjoy my mom. Without any FOMO. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's so great. That that must make you feel really good that, yeah, the decision you made was the right one. But is there any, if you, if there was one thing about it, is there one thing that you missed, if anything? I, I miss the customers in the community. I, you know, we used to say we'd get maybe one person a year who is maybe complaining about something. When you, when you talk about customer service, I'm sure, and working in certain industries, it's not a fun job, but it's, oh my gosh, like our customers, our community, they're the best and they were awesome. And I, I miss them. They do cool things and they put out good stuff. And it's, so I am not having to live in that world anymore. And I'm like, yeah, luckily that's all still, you know, going on, <laughs> but that's probably the, the thing that I would miss the most. That makes a lot of sense to me. You have, you did build such an incredible community um, and of amazing people because we, we knew so many of them and, and I would run into people wearing momentum wraps when I was literally out running and doing activities. I can say firsthand and how incredible that community that you built was. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. I, I think that that's the thing that I would also miss the most when and if it ever becomes our time to pass a baton. One of the reasons we wanted to talk to you on the podcast, you know, is not just because we've worked with you for so many years and I feel like we have really similar origin and growth stories. And we've always been kindred spirits, it felt like, in the world of entrepreneurship. But also because we just don't hear enough stories from entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, about what their exits look and feel like. I think what you said about, you know, there being so many guides to how to start a business, but nobody talks about shutting it down or moving on or passing the baton. 
So if you're willing, I would love to just hear more about what was that actually like to pass the baton? What was surprising about it? What was surprisingly easy or hard? Yeah. And I think you're right. And it's when you start a business, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to build this business. And then Lululemon's going to come along and they're going to want to buy it. And you're like, really? Is that really going to ever happen? No, that's, you know, you, you just don't know because you hear those stories of, oh, she invented some thing to go in your croc shoe and somebody came along and gave her, you know, $4 billion and whatever. That That's not, that's not how it works for most people. Right. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah. Coming to terms with, okay, what is your goal? And hopefully it's like most things in life, it ends up being a compromise. One of my goals was that the community and the specialness that made up momentum and not just, oh, I have a patent for the motivate rap continued and could live on. And so all of a sudden you're like, there's a real small subset of people then might, who could be possibly candidates to, to take that over. It almost felt like dating, like you're trying to find the right person for you. And I think since, yeah, like you were saying, we're kindred spirits, our companies, our missions, our values, the way we do business is a very is similar. It's not like you're just going to put your company out on some Shopify marketplace and just anybody's going to buy it. It, it, it. They have to fit a, a bunch of requirements that, that really make them special in a lot of different ways. So one, I think it depends on your timeline too, and your ability to how like visible can you put that for sale sign out there? And so if there's some things that that you have to determine, okay, is, would this be bad for my business? Will it be good? Can I, am I going to look for a couple of years or do I need to sell it in two months? <laughs> the process just does take a lot longer than, than you'd expect just because, especially for my business, because we had physical product and then there's training of the new owner because they're going to have to make everything. And then you have to transfer. The U-Haul came to my house <laughs> and we had to load everything up. And so some of that stuff, it does take a long time, many more months than it's not just like you put a for sale sign in front of your home and then it's sold in two weeks. It's much more detailed. And I suppose that then would also depend on the nature of your business, uh, what you sell, what you do, how complicated that is. So I would say that it's best to give yourself as much time and to make sure you can not only find the right person, but then also have the time to, to do everything. And I think you can, if there's somebody who would come along and said, oh yeah, I went by this and then we're going to make a ton of them and we're going to sell them at all the Walmarts and I'm going to be making them in China. And we're just going to be pumping these babies out. And like those rubber band bracelets. I'm like, uh, no, that's, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit. So you have to have an idea of, of who you're looking for. And then, you know, how to find that person. That's, I guess it's just maybe what I did and check with people, check with those people, just keep looking. So again, allow enough time to, to get all that done. Yeah. Was there a moment with Sarah where you, that sort of clicked where your gut was like, okay, this is the fit. This is the person. I would say that I was much more wishy-washy because even though I knew I had to be done, I think, you know, momentum had been my life for so long that I was like, oh, I could still help with this or I could do that. It's hard to just completely say out loud, nope, I'm done. 
but my gut kept telling me that was what it was. <laughs> and so, but I kept going, oh yeah, I mean, I could do this, whatever. So the, like figuring out how it would all work was the problem in that whole amount uh, of negotiation time was me, but I knew that's what I needed. It just still even took when it took a while for me to actually, for, for those words to actually come out of my mouth. <laughs> it's so exciting to hear this story from you. And like Jamie said, we were just like, so happy for you that you trusted your gut and that this ended in a way that feels right. Because what better end to the entrepreneurial journey is there? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I think, I think one of the reasons why it was so easy to walk away is I look back on all the things that I wanted to do. I feel like I got to do all of them. I checked all the boxes. I did all these things I wanted to do. Would I like to do more? Yeah, you can always do more, but you gotta, at some point say, this is good. Yeah. Oh, what beautiful closure. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's so nice to catch up and so nice to hear your part of the story and just to get to celebrate you and Momentum again. You. It's really nice to talk with you guys. I used to watch Sesame Street growing up and it was like the feature, it was called, this is your life loaf of bread. And it used to bring on all the people who were involved in this loaf of bread. You'll have to do <laughs> look it up on YouTube. You will laugh. But in the seventies, it was thrilling. And I feel like you guys are in my, this is your life loaf of bread moment. Because <laughs> I super fond memories, other entrepreneurs who just continually helped to support and uplift and encourage me, even though it was that like just out there, like that makes such a difference. And I met so many people like that. And so I appreciate you guys. And it's been really fun to talk with you. Yeah, it's like we have our communities that we've built through our businesses, but then this also this community of entrepreneurs that we've learned so much from you. And we've, you know, so appreciated having you in our loaf of bread. That I think is one of the most rewarding things is really getting to connect with and learn from other women, other entrepreneurs. And so thank you. Thanks for being in our loaf of bread too. I love this. I love loaves of bread right now. And now you I would also eat some bread. I'm hungry, actually, so that sounds delicious. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Shiny Objects. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate you leaving a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. And please check out our sister podcast, The Activist. That's active with an E-I-S-T. Thanks for being here and see you next time.